Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. Hey, everybody. This is Devin Katayama. Just a heads up that the Bay is going to be taking the whole next week off, but we'll be back on Monday, December 30th. Uh, So think of this next week as maybe a good time to catch up on episodes that you haven't had a chance to listen to yet. And of course, if you really need us, you can reach us always on Twitter. We are at the Bay KQED. Okay, here's the show. One of the benefits of KQED Studios being in downtown San Francisco is that we are located really close to many of the big companies that we report on. And right across the street from us is a business that's getting a lot of attention, PG&E. This week, a judge approved billions of dollars of settlements between PG&E and fire survivors. But the company can't move forward until it convinces one really important guy that it'll prevent more wildfires in the future. Where the twist comes in of everything that happened recently is with the governor. He doesn't think that the plan PG&E has put forward will result in them being this dramatically different, safer, transformed company. Today, the path to getting PG&E to provide safe and reliable power. I'm Devin Kadiyama. Welcome to The Bay. The reason PG&E is in bankruptcy is because of all the houses that burned down, right, and the lives that were lost. Marisa Lagos is a political correspondent for KQED. She's been covering PG&E and the fallout since the 2017 fires, including when the utility filed for bankruptcy back in January. They knew that there were billions of dollars of liability associated with those wildfires, and they just didn't have the cash on their books to pay it. What it means is you go into court and say, I have all these debts. I can't pay all of them. I need your help to figure out who gets paid and how much and who maybe doesn't get paid. And I also need you as the judge to approve a plan so I don't end up back here again. This week, the judge overseeing PG&E's bankruptcy did part of this. He approved two settlements. One was $13.5 billion. That's going to go to fire survivors. Another was $11 billion that'll pay out insurers. The settlements were a big deal for PG&E because it puts the utility a step closer to getting out of bankruptcy and paying people who've been harmed by the fires. But PG&E didn't prove how it would be any better at providing safe, reliable power. Ideally, they would exit bankruptcy not only in a healthier financial situation with 
the compensation having gone out to the victims, but also with a structure that ensures that they won't be burning down houses like this again, that they will be a safer company, that they maybe won't redirect money that they're supposed to put into a gas line as in San Bruno or into undergrounding power lines, uh, into other things that they'll play by the rules that were set out and get better. I think the question is, is that possible in this bankruptcy, given the way the company has approached it, which is largely not to sort of emerge as a new butterfly, so to speak, from this cocoon of bankruptcy, but really just to emerge not owing this money to victims. Instead, PG&E's bankruptcy plan didn't answer the biggest question that we've all been asking. How does it plan to fundamentally change what it's doing to prevent future fires? And the guy who called them out on this and who ultimately has to sign off on PG&E's plan is Governor Gavin Newsom. I don't think any objective observer can look at Pacific Gas and Electric and suggest that that entity, that corpus, can possibly survive. They're in bankruptcy already because of their choices. But when they come out of bankruptcy, that has to be a completely reimagined company. Unlike most bankruptcies, in this situation, Gavin Newsom has to sign off on this plan and state regulators, the California Public Utilities Commission, have to sign off on this plan. The reason that that is legally an obligation here instead of just something that PG&E might want or the bankruptcy court might want is legislation that was passed last summer, which is going to create essentially an insurance fund that we ratepayers help fund that will act as a backstop in the case of future disasters like these wildfires. Basically, the state stepped up and said, hey, look, we know this was bad for everybody. We don't want our utilities to go under and into bankruptcy anytime a wildfire breaks out. And we know that there are challenges to making the state safer. It's not just about utility wires. It's about climate change and where we've built. So they said in order to access that money, PG&E, you got to have the governor sign off on your plan and you got to exit bankruptcy by next June 30th. Where the twist comes in of everything that happened recently is with the governor. In a letter to PG&E CEO, the governor says the most important thing is providing safe, reliable power to customers. And this plan does not do that, he says. The company is blamed for... Newsom saying, I will support this company and give you guys access to this huge liability insurance fund, but you need to build what we feel like is a structure that is more focused on safety and preventing fires and being a responsible corporate citizen than it has been. And we also want as part of that plan a really clearly defined way for you guys to essentially exit stage right if you don't meet all those expectations. He essentially told PG&E He doesn't think that the plan PG&E has put forward will result in them being this dramatically different, safer, transformed company. Why does he think this? He says that, you know, a lot of what they've put forward in the court outside of these dollar settlements is really just sort of business as usual. They're not proposing a drastic makeover to their board of directors. He wants to see, instead of a lot of Wall Street investors sitting on that board, people who actually live in California and understand the challenges of the state. He wants to see specific safety metrics so that if they don't play by the rules set out by the PUC, that there are really sort of clear consequences up to and including the sort of 
I think, meat of what he's said, which is he essentially wants them to put in their bankruptcy exit plan, a strategy for handing over reins of the entire company if they end up back in a situation like this again. And that in itself is a pretty dramatic thing to ask for. It's one thing to ask, you know, a publicly traded company to change its board of directors or to put in place safety metrics, but to say, hey, and if you fail at this, we want a plan now for how you would essentially give up being PG&E as we know it, like, that's a a tall order. (laughs) Under normal circumstances, PG&E might not need the governor to like the company's plan. But this time, PG&E's leaders really need the governor's approval to access this wildfire fund. Not just because PG&E needs money, but because it needs to win back the confidence of people who keep it afloat. It's kind of everything. It really is sort of their olive branch to Wall Street to say, hey, we are a company that you should keep investing in. And given the current structure of investor and utilities, we all need Wall Street to think that they are a company still worth investing in. That's because PG&E is an investor-owned company, which means that it needs to make money for shareholders. That's different from a publicly owned utility, which is not-for-profit and is supposed to keep customers first. And some critics say this is a fundamental problem, that the company is so much at the mercy of banks and shareholders that people, us the ratepayers, and our safety aren't the biggest priority. Certainly people who own equity in the company have the ear of the executives and are part of the decision-making process in terms of what this plan looks like. And they also want to keep control of the company, so they are going to try to structure any exit strategy in a way that they keep control. I feel like over the last two years, this is as far as I've seen PG&E get pushed to potentially make some changes. But since you know the 2017 North Bay fires, there have been there's been a lot of pressure on PG&E to change. So why hasn't it changed in that time? I mean, PG&E is a huge bureaucracy. Think about the culture of KQED or for the listener, any organization they've ever interacted with. Think about a state agency like the DMV. It's hard to make big structural changes and it's hard to change the sort of culture of a place if you've had, as a lot of people say, maybe 20 years of this real focus on profits versus safety. The other thing is, is that they still are in a independently owned and operated company. And there's a lot of stakeholders. So yes, us in the public, those of us who pay their bills, those of us who run the state, or not us, but those people, (laughs) you know, there was pressure from them. But from Wall Street, there was pressure to sort of keep the people in control who have always had control of this company. If you think about it, this is the closest that you know, the state has ever come, that we as ratepayers have ever come to really having potentially more leverage than those shareholders and bondholders and all of the other investors who are fighting over this company have had. So we know what Governor Gavin Newsom wants in PG&E's new plan. What might that actually look like? What that looks like? I'm not quite sure of. Um, there's a lot of lawyers who make a lot more money than me. I know this from digging through the bankruptcy uh-huh. filings. $1,400 an hour, Devin. We Dang. are in the wrong business. Um, yeah, but I think that that's the challenge here. And that's probably mm-hmm. why PG&E so far has failed to come up with a plan that Newsom likes, is that these are really big structural changes. And some of this stuff is very nebulous. And 
as anybody knows, again, going back to the idea of like the culture of an organization, you can say at the top you want to change something, but getting buy-in throughout the sort of ladder of an organization is a really different thing. And so even if they come up with a plan that Newsom's administration signs off on, I'm not sure we'll know for several years if it's actually been a success. The pressure on pg e right now is coming from a lot of different places. There's criticism about the utility's structure, its board. Some people want to see a state takeover completely. But all these ideas are easier said than done. I think the problem with a lot of the conversation we're having is that it sort of neglects the fact that their infrastructure is a big part of the problem. And no change in culture on Beale Street at their headquarters or a state takeover or a ratepayer takeover is going to change the fact that their infrastructure is really old and needs billions and billions of dollars of investment that they have not made and kept up with. I mean, some of their equipment, you know, is supposed to have a 50 or 75 year lifespan and it won't be replaced for 200 years, they're saying. I mean, think about how much has changed technologically in just 50 years or five years. So I think that that is actually a big crux of like why someone like Newsom, who maybe would have a bit more of a predilection for a state takeover and the conversation with someone like Sam Licardo, the mayor of San Jose, who would like to see a ratepayers takeover, sort of leaves out this big thing, which is like, how would you value PG&E? Like if you were going to buy out their equity holders, how would you value the fact that, yeah, those people have spent a lot of money on the company, but so have we as ratepayers, and the infrastructure is still totally screwed. Like, and it's huge and it's hard to get your arms around. And there's probably not, even if you had all the money in the world, enough trained workers to do the work in a very fast manner. Okay, so how can we be sure if PG&E's plan for the future represents a real change? Obviously, having fewer wildfires is a start, although there's a lot we won't know in the short term. But Marisa says it's also just about the way the company talks to the public. This may seem like really small ball, but I do think that there's an element of like what the company projects that will give us some clues as to how they're operating. About a month ago, I was up in Sacramento where lawmakers had dragged the heads of all of the investor-owned utilities in front of them to talk about the power shutoffs. And if you looked at just the body language and sort of attitude of the executive from SDG&E, which has done a really good job of investing in infrastructure and figuring out ways to essentially prevent wildfires without just shutting down the grid. In San Diego, yeah. Yeah, in San Diego. It was such a different conversation than the one we saw between Bill Johnson, the CEO of PG&E, and the lawmakers, or even the representatives from Southern California, Edison. Mr. Johnson, welcome to the committee. Thank you so much. Good morning. I am Bill Johnson, president and CEO of PGE Corporation. You know, I think this has been a company for a long time that has had an attitude of we know better than you. And that has superseded different CEOs and different executives. It's something I've heard from people who worked at the company about their approach to everything from, you know, negotiations with the legislature over climate change bills to negotiations over the liability questions that have been raised in recent years. Uh, I came to PG&E about seven, eight months ago. I'd never been in a bankrupt organization before, so didn't know much about it. I'm now the Wikipedia of bankruptcies. 
I will be watching to see if the leadership of who whatever leadership emerges from this bankruptcy, it just has a different attitude about what their charges and how they approach doing their job, which at its core is to provide safe, reliable and affordable electricity to 16 million Californians who pay them a not insignificant amount of money every month to do so. A federal bankruptcy judge this week approved the two major settlements with the caveat that PG&E come back with a plan that Governor Newsom will sign off on. There's still a lot of work to do before the settlements are finalized. Wildfire victims have until the end of the year to file claims, and then those included in the settlement will actually vote on it sometime next year. Marisa Lagos is a political correspondent for KQED. This episode was produced by Erica Cruz Guevara and editor Alan Montecilio. KQED's leadership team includes Julie Kane, Vinnie Tong, Ethan Lindsay, and Holly Kernan. I'm Devin Kadiyama. That's it for the Bay. We'll talk to you next time. I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. You get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks.